sorry I don't love you A phrase I've grown accustomed to Cause with you if something isn't wrong Something isn't wrong Something isn't right Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back, as is Tim Matthews. We are continuing with the Mission Impossible movies. Today we are talking all about the fourth movie, also known as Ghost Protocol. I think, Tim, this is the first time they've started giving the movies sort of these subtitles. Yeah, it's definitely the the first time that they started giving them subtitles, which I was really excited about because, I mean, frankly, just kind of putting a number on these movies is uh, kind of boring. Um, so it's, I, I always enjoy. I'm glad the Marvel movies have started doing the uh, a lot more of the sub the subtitles as well. It's just more fun. Yeah, I think Iron Man is the only one that sort of did a one, two, and three there. And then with Captain America, it was you know the first Avenger, Winter Soldier, Civil War, and that really makes it a lot more entertaining. And you know they even did that after Thor two, I believe. So it was Thor Ragnarok for the third one and everything. I definitely agree. It's like. Do we really just need numbers to know just how many movies you have been doing or can yeah. we give, get a little more creative with it? So I definitely like that this one is called Ghost Protocol. And, you know, we're just going to jump right on in here. And the casting is one of the main things we've been talking about, because like we mentioned before, Ethan and Luther are the only two characters who have showed up in all of the movies and in this one luther has a very very small part he's technically not even in the credits when they roll so it was one of those things where we're seeing a couple familiar faces because you still have simon pegg in this movie as well and i think that helps with the sort of transitions that have been occurring off screen so to speak because when we start with this one you know we have a bunch of people who we haven't seen before you know we have jeremy renner in this one as brant and you have josh holloway who does not last very long at all i know it was i i remember uh i think i think he was in uh i remember when it was announced that he was in it um and at the time uh i was still a fan of lost i hadn't watched the last season yet and um and the and I think he was, um, and I think he was in like the trailers and stuff. So I was like super excited. I was like, oh, this is great. I really like this guy. And then I remember sitting in the theater and just right in the beginning, he just gets shot. And I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. And a couple of the other big name actors in this, Paula Patton plays Jane and Michael Nyquist, I believe that's how you're pronouncing it, even though it looks like it's spelled with a V instead of a U there. But he plays Hendrix and we do see a lot of foreigners in this movie again, which is something that we had going with the first one because that one, it was like, okay, we know a handful of these actors just from stuff that we have seen over the years. But this one, it was the same way. It's like, okay, yes, Jeremy Renner is Hawkeye. And obviously Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise like that that needs no explanation there and Simon Pegg has sort of been one of the recurring characters as Benji and we see him in the next two movies as well I believe yeah yeah he he being introduced in the third one he really comes into his own in this movie and he's uh for the for the next two he is very very much still a um, a really key member of the team, uh, which I, which I'm, I really enjoy. I think he's a, a great fit. 
and Luther, I, I was like you saying that Luther, you know, not being in this one as much. I remember when we were talking about some of the earlier movies and it was, you know, Luther being kind of the, the other character that went, went along with Ethan. Um, I was trying to like bite my tongue cause I was like, ah, he's, I was like, he's barely in ghost protocol, but I don't want to say anything. Um, but he, thankfully, Luther does uh, come back. I, I don't think that's really a spoiler. You can look at the cast, the cast sheets. But, um, but you would think with Simon Pegg being like the, the tech guy that bringing in Luther, that maybe you don't need both of them. But um, as we see in this one, um, Simon Pegg is now like a field agent, um, which is which is a lot of fun because he's definitely. Um, not as experienced as everyone else and is kind of in over his head and just excited to be part of the team. Yeah. And I think that's actually a good place to dive into the story here because, you know, Benji is a little out of his element with being in the field and he kind of knows it. And then you have Brant who comes along, Jeremy Renner's character, and we don't see him until about, I want to say like 35 minutes in on the movie or something like that. It's there's a good chunk of time that passes before we're even introduced to him. And he is sort of this Jack Ryan S character where he's playing an analyst, but he's not really an analyst at heart. He has some moves of his own as we learn later in the movie. Yeah. But you know, this one, it revolves around the ghost protocol, which is sort of them going out on their own, the four agents who are left in the IMF because everyone has been disavowed so they are doing this without any sort of direction or orders from someone above them it's like you know they break ian they break ethan out of prison and he's sort of the one making all of the decisions which he kind of did anyway before it's not like he really listened all that well so it's one of those things (laughs) where it makes sense that you wouldn't even bother having you know, someone, I mean, technically someone does show up who would technically give Ethan orders and he does give Ethan a mission, but then he is killed immediately after. And that's the secretary. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and that's, that's, I mean, I don't remember his, you know, the actor's name, but, um, of course, you know, fans of the, the dark Knight trilogy will recognize him as Tom Wilkinson is his name. That's it. Yeah. And I mean, he's always good, but I love, I love that little scene and that speech is so uh is so perfect uh because uh once again just like as we started getting introduced to a bit of a a very well balanced humor in the series uh in 3 that definitely carries over uh into this one and I think the humor is even uh upped a bit but I love when Tom Wilkinson starts giving starts giving the mission and it starts out it, it like it the way he's the way he's saying it is like he's giving him the mission but he he's not giving him the mission because he can't officially give him the mission and i love jeremy renner's just reaction to everything he's saying he's just kind of like wait sir what what are you saying wait no 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 like it like you can't be you can't be given the speech and then of course everything goes to hell but uh but that's such it's such a great little scene and i think the series does that really well is just giving us actors that they inject into the scene in a just in a small part and they kill it uh and then they're gone and you kind of miss them but again the movie just keeps just keeps moving but uh but he he was a really great addition but we never seem to get to hold on to the people in charge 
in these movies. Yeah, it certainly feels that way by the fourth movie here. And, you know, a lot of the story surrounds this idea that, you know, they don't know where the nuclear codes that were stolen from Hannaway, who is Josh Holloway's character at the beginning there. Right. They don't know where these are going to end up. And we see that Hendrix is the guy they end up going after. And you also have Sabine Moreau, who is the assassin. So she doesn't have a huge role in the movie. We basically get two significant scenes with her. And then it's all about going after Hendrix and making sure that that missile does not hit its target. And, you know, because it's a Mission Impossible movie, they cut it close and yeah. we'll certainly be diving a little deeper into the action scenes after this. But, you know, Hendrix really is the main bad guy in this and you can argue that Sabine is also one because she assassinates Hannaway and then we get that scene where they are sort of doing this parallel between the two meetings in the hotel rooms and they're literally one floor apart so they're happening literally in like the same room just right apart from each other by one floor and you get this moment where, you know, they're definitely sort of just winging it at this point. You know, it's like they kind of have a plan, but it's not necessarily a solid plan because if one little thing goes wrong, this whole thing is blown. And I think they sort of show that on everyone's face at one point. Maybe not Ethan's because he is so used to doing all of these crazy things. But it's one of those things where you see... Benji, you know, inflating a fake arm. And yeah. he, he's just sort of like trying to keep it as hidden as possible. And he yeah. sort of gives Jane this look when he's serving the tea. And you can tell they're both a little nervous, especially Benji, though, because like we said, this isn't his forte necessarily. Obviously, Jane can handle herself if things go wrong. And yeah. to an extent, ben- Benji can too. We see that he has a good shot at some point but fighting maybe not so much (laughs) yeah and the and we we even we do kind of get a little bit of ethan being almost like out of his element in when uh they're talking about that we need to go in from uh you know go into the server room from the outside yes what floor are we on and as soon what does he say like uh 157th or something and the look on ethan's face when he just like stops and he's like 150 what and uh it's uh, it's definitely a running theme of this entire movie um that here here's a team that we know at we've we've come to know through throughout the three movies so far um they're the impossible mission force it's you know everything that goes wrong there's there's another plan there's a backup plan this you know it's um that everything is kind of well thought out even if everything goes to hell um uh for the most part at least um but in this one i feel like even when uh ethan's first broken out of prison and he goes up to the phone and he he gets the little uh you know mission through the uh um through the phone and he starts to walk away and you're waiting for you know the phone to self-destruct and it doesn't and he kind of pauses this little comical moment and he walks back um and then uh and then it self self-destructs and then of course uh throughout the movie um they're 
sent on their own and here they have all this tech but the tech doesn't really work that well the gloves are the gloves malfunction uh quite a bit in the worst way possible when he's hanging you know on the side of a building and the face masks of course don't work um so it's it's this fun running theme throughout the movie that it's just like they now have to figure things out basically kind of with their wits because um they all the tech that they kind of have come to rely on it just doesn't work and now they and it's it's fun to see them have to um scramble um you know like with an an inflatable arm you know you have all this fancy tech and then there's an inflatable arm (laughs) (laughs) so it's I, i really enjoy that uh that theme throughout the movie it's a lot of fun yeah and in this one too we still get a lot of that comedic element to it as well because we have these moments with benji where sometimes just his facial expression is enough of that comedic relief to sort of ease the tension in the room for a brief moment and then you know jeremy renner has a lot of comedic moments in this as well especially when he's in that magnetic suit and he's (laughs) trying oh yeah he's getting ready to jump and he's like okay i have to jump right yeah do i jump now (laughs) yeah (laughs) and it was just a great moment because you can tell he's like okay i know i have to do this but I'm not 100% certain it will work. And since he's an analyst, you know, numbers matter to him. And Benji's like, I'm yeah. pretty sure you're good. You're good. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, that scene's a lot of fun because uh, usually what we've come to see in these movies is the more outrageous stunt type things. Ethan would be the one doing it. But in that scene, he's at the big part, fancy party uh, kind of running point and not doing anything action oriented or really dangerous at all. And so it's, it's fun to see the role, the roles flipped and, and seeing, uh, Jeremy Renner's character, uh, Brant, you know, have to, have to do this, this completely outrageous thing. Uh, especially, um, this was after the Ethan climbs the building, right? I think so. Yeah, I believe so. Because, Ethan flew back in through the window and Brant right. was still there. So this was later on when they went to Mumbai, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Brant kind of got out of doing the whole uh, window thing because Ethan's like, well, who needs to do it? And Benji's like, oh, I'm the, I'm, I'm the tech. I got to be on the computer. And um, Benji had made fun of Brant earlier by just calling him the helper. And so Brant's like, well, I, I, I'm I'm the helper and points to Benji. So then he's out and Ethan is naturally the one who has to go out on the building. So now it's kind of backfired on him and he has to do he has to do the dangerous thing with this giant, super sharp uh, piece in the middle, um, which is I and his landing. Um, I'm just thinking about this now when the when he drops down and he's all like kind of like his body all spread out um, floating there. Um this is uh, now the fourth movie in a row that we get a nod to that uh, iconic scene in the in the first film. Yeah. Where um, in the second one, it was after he goes through the giant tower and then stops right at the um, r- right at the bottom. And then in the third one is when he goes just goes over the wall and he flips over and stops right before the ground. So 
I don't remember if we get something like that in the other two. I'm going to be excited to, to rewatch those and, and look for that now. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how they sort of tie these all together with just little moments like that. It's not even necessarily a through line plot wise or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's just one of those things where, you know, hey, nearly falling on your face is quite a common thing here. <laughs> yeah, we get another nod to the first one with the long haired uh, guy who who worked for Max and he puts the, the black sack over Ethan's uh, head right when they go and meet the arms dealers so that's another fun tie-in as well yeah so you know the basic gist of this storyline is it's more about survival than anything Mm -hmm. else there isn't really that personal aspect to this one like there was in the third film and it's one of those things where obviously not only do they have to survive being disavowed from the IMF it's like they literally have to stop a missile and It's one of those things where you're like, well, that's quite the task. Okay. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of brings us to the action scenes because there are a ton of action scenes in this one. And I thought Ethan liked to run in three and wow, (laughs) he he runs a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. All all the all the I'm I think. There was some there was some website. I don't remember who did it, but um, somehow they factored out how far Tom Cruise runs in like all the Mission Impossible movies. I don't know how they figured it out. Obviously some mathematical equation, but it uh but it was really funny to just see it was like, oh, he ran like, you know, 30 miles in this movie or something like that. So um but I don't remember what it was for this one. But I mean that's a Tom Cruise staple. I almost feel like it's I really feel like it's in his contract. If he's in a movie <laughs> he has to run. <laughs> You know, that would not surprise me, especially given the kind of movies that he does. I know he's done like rom-coms in the past and everything like that, but yeah. more Ever since recently... He went action star, it's it's all the running. Yeah, because more recently you have not only the Mission Impossible franchise, but he's also been in Jack Reacher as the main oh, yeah. character. So I imagine yeah. if I watch that movie or multiple movies, I don't know how many exactly he's in i'm sure there will be more of tom cruise running but these action scenes are just taken to another level and i think a lot of that has to do with just how much technology had advanced by the time this Mm -hmm. one came around because we still had a pretty big gap between three and four i believe yeah three was 2006 and this was 2011 so even just within those five years a lot of things have improved and you know if you go to the imdb page which i will link to in the show notes you can see some of the behind the scenes footage or images of how they did some of these stunts like when he is in the fancy parking garage that I have never seen one like before in my life he takes the car and he just drives right off the edge of the parking spot and you get a look specifically at that moment where they do Mm -hmm. have the car suspended and they're filming like that so you have like all of this sort of I think it was blue behind it not necessarily green but we it was blue screen yeah yeah so you have him literally sitting in the suspended car from what i could tell because he does like to do a bunch of his own stunts and it's just amazing how far he will go i don't know about the building climb how they did that one they probably had a much shorter building and just had him suspended on that and climbing up it Uh, so actually um so um 
yesterday I watched the special features. Okay. Um, and so if anyone has the the Blu-ray and you haven't watched the special features, um, definitely give them a look uh, because they, and I'm sure someone's probably put them on YouTube as well. Um, but no, he is actually on uh, that building in Dubai. Um, and he is actually all the way up there. Um, they shot that sequence over the course of 22 or 23 days. Um, he trained on set. He, he trained like on a soundstage for the climb. They set okay. up lights shining on a, a metal wall to tr- uh, to match the feel of like what the sun would be would be like and the reflection and everything yeah and so they did a lot of training but um but then yeah they went uh they went onto that building they took out i think like 13 windows um and they had to set up a taped area that if any crew members or anybody if you were past that taped area you had to be harnessed up um and uh of of one of my favorite stories out of that sequence is that Tom Cruise is out there, you know, doing his thing. And Brad Bird, the director, uh, is telling the story about how they're inside setting up for the shot and just kind of getting things together. And he said they kind of they kind of really forgot that he was out there. And then they just hear the this, this just like, woo, and they just see Tom Cruise just like running a, along the windows and then and then do that big kickoff and swing like he does in the movie. Um, and he's just out there just having a blast all, all the way up there. Um, and the main area of the sequence they said, um, is higher than the empire state building. Um, but Tom Cruise does make, uh, make mention that, um, while he was up on that building, he did get the opportunity to, to climb all the way up. So it was pretty insane. <laughs> so, um, that's, it's really impressive. And that was also done, uh, with, IMAX cameras. Um, the majority of the movie was not done in IMAX, but uh, but that sequence was. I'm honestly just surprised that they were able to use the building that many days <laughs> to yeah. do that because, you know, that's probably an extremely busy building. And I know from the looks of it, it seemed like it was a hotel, but I feel like maybe not the whole building is a hotel. I'm not really sure how that works because I know sometimes when you have like skyscrapers in general, it's like a few floors will be one company, a few will be another company and so on and so forth. But that definitely looked more like a hotel on the inside at least. Yeah. So they they lucked out. Uh, Basically, um, I think during press for Star Trek or something, J.J. Abrams uh, and some people they were in Dubai and he was like, we need to, we need to make a movie here. We need to do something here. So then when it came time to prep for this movie, uh, JJ brought up Dubai and Tom Cruise, uh, at the same time was like, Hey, I've actually really wanted to, uh, to film some stuff in Dubai. It's such a cool city. And, and of course the uh, building was very enticing. They kind of lucked out that apparently at the time of making the movie, the building was still under construction. So there were a lot of the floors were just kind of like almost warehouse looking. They weren't finished. So that's why they were given access to certain, uh, to certain floors um, for so long. And also apparently Dubai was kind of trying, they wanted to become more of a staple uh, for the film industry. So when this big giant blockbuster, uh, you know, uh, production for mission impossible comes through, um, they apparently were like film that do whatever you have to do 
Like to, you can film anywhere you want. They kind of gave him carte blanche on that. So it was it was kind of like the perfect storm of of timing um, for what they were able to do. Um, so it's it it certainly was worth it. The the footage is unbelievable and incredible. Um, and uh, I'm sure they could have done it, you know, with special effects. But um, as we've come to see with all these movies, um, Tom Cruise is really big on using practical effects and. Um, it certainly pays off, um, I think. And audiences seem to think so as well. Yeah, see, this is what I get for not having the special features available to me. So so much I information, you... I don't know. I'm very glad you watched <laughs> them at least to, <laughs> to correct me on this stuff. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the series. It's <laughs> I, I don't know if that shows. Definitely, and that's a good thing. <laughs> that's certainly a good thing for this podcast. And, you know... Shortly after that scene and we go through the meetings and everything like that, he starts chasing this guy out of the building because he has what he wants and the dust storm is coming, the sandstorm, whichever you want to call it. And, you know, I have gone camping out in the desert and one of those has started up, not to that extent. But they really suck. And he's out there running <laughs> around in it, driving in a convertible. It's like, dude, at least get a car that isn't a convertible. <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> that would probably make your life a little easier. And yeah. just that whole sequence there of him chasing the guy down, not really being able to see, even as we're watching it, the visibility is just difficult for anyone, you know, even as a viewer. And I think that's what really makes that scene. Because it's just like you're sitting there and you're watching it and you're just like, this is so crazy. Why would you do this? You know, just go yeah. find the guy a little later when the, the yeah. when the when the sand settles <laughs> and, you know, he does not give up. And we have that head on collision collision with both of oh, the yeah. vehicles as well. And that's just so well done, too, because... He jumps out and then he notices that the guy is not in the vehicle he stole. So he starts chasing him down again, but he's limping and Mm -hmm. he pulls that off very well. I don't know if he was actually limping because he had probably actually jumped out of a vehicle himself knowing Tom Cruise, (laughs) but it was just so believable in that moment too. You're like, yeah, yeah, he would definitely have a little bit of limp after doing that. Yeah, he goes so into into these uh, these performances that it's just it the smaller scenes, but then especially the the big action sequences. He just he knows how to sell that moment, and uh, the whole sandstorm scene is spectacular. Like it's kind of weird to say visually it's spectacular because uh, because as you said, it's really hard to see everything. But because of that, it is such a visually spectacular scene. It just looks so cool that he's standing there looking around trying to find him can't see anything. There's just all this sand everywhere. And then you just have that, the beeping on the, on the tracker. And then it starts picking up, picking up, picking up. And then you just see these lights and, ah, it's, uh, such, such a cool, uh, sequence. And he carries that, you know, the limp performance, uh, really well into the, the following, the following chase and throughout the entire thing, he keeps it really consistent. Um, and, Ethan really gets his ass handed to him in in a lot of the the final sequence. Yeah, definitely. I do want to backtrack a little bit here and talk about the prison break, though, because that sequence also has a lot of moving parts to it. You obviously Mm -hmm. have Benji opening and 
closing doors for him, mostly opening, though. <laughs> and, yeah. that, you know, that's one of the first comedic moments we have where, you know, Ethan is telling him to open one of the doors and he isn't doing it. So he's just making yeah. all of these hand gestures to the yeah. security camera. And you can see the security guards are like, this dude's crazy. <laughs> and yeah. they're sort they're of like, frantic. Is this seriously happening? <laughs> yeah. And just the fact that you have all of these cell doors opening and people emerging and all of this fighting going on, it's definitely well choreographed. And it displays the chaos so well, you know, it's yeah. not like it looks super sloppy or anything, but at the same time, it's kind of meant to look sloppy. These dudes have been locked in cells and they're just going to beat up any of the guards they can find. And we certainly see that. And then, you know, Ethan has his moments to get his shots in so he can get away with Bogdan. And, you know, that is not part of the plan. And Ethan isn't apparently sure that there is a plan you know it's like he kind of knows generally that they're there to get him out and he was there for a reason and you know this is sort of revealed throughout the movie which i like we don't get mm -hmm. that explanation right off the bat and you know there are some other things in here too where it you know he talks about his wife being dead even though she's not really dead it's like she yeah. faked her death and that's sort of how we find out about that is gradually throughout the movie. And I think they did that opening scene particularly well. And it kind of just sets you up for what kind of action you'll be getting in this movie. But are there any other scenes in particular that you want to discuss as far as the action scenes go? I mean, to, to add on to the, um, to the, the prison thing for sure, uh, the, it is, like such a well choreographed sloppiness to it yeah. that it, because it, it can so easily come across choreographed and then it doesn't feel, feel real, but it, it feels real. And then the, you have this mix of great action mixed with this humor and right from the start, they really, they really set the tone for, for what this series has become and continues to, to be. It's like, this is, this is what you're going to get, you know, everything you kind of need to know about what kind of movie you're in, uh, movie and series you're in for is all in that opening sequence. Um, and it leading, it leads right into, um, what is so far my favorite of the, um, of the opening credits, because when they're going down the, the running down the tunnel and he just says light the fuse and she's got, just got the, uh, the match up against the wall and then it, it just boom. And then right into the, um, following the dyna the dynamite wire through the whole thing. And we get that great opening sequence that I love. Um, but, um, but the, in, in terms of other, uh, action sequences, um, it's a, it's not a, it's not a big action sequence. Um, I really like the scene with Jeremy Renner when we are, and the whole team, when they're all arguing, everything's gone wrong. Everyone's kind of firing on all cylinders with their performances. And Ethan comes through and and he previously had seen Jeremy Renner kind of use a bit of his agent skills and not analyst. Right. And so then he he kind of lets him have it. And they have just this this quick little mini fight where they just like uh, they they both kind of go at each other, but then, um, take apart like each other's guns and everything. And, um, and then they're just, you know, aiming them at, at each other. And it's, th that's the reveal for the whole team that it's like, who is this guy? 
this guy has been with us and we thought he was this one guy just an analyst but clearly something else is going on here and just that whole scene uh that whole sequence i i think is so well done the performances are great and um uh and i think it's it's an example of just being able to interject a tiny bit of action into into something um that as these movies have shown especially maybe not so much the second one but um the first and the third one and this one that the action isn't just there to be action the action interjects with the story and it flows with the story and it suits it really well um and that that's one of those scenes and then the fight when um the assassin gets kicked out the window that's that's pretty cool I don't know of any other action sequences that uh, are in the movie except for the the finale. Yeah, and we certainly get a much different finale than I think we have in some of the other movies. You know, typically we have these giant action scenes before the end of a movie, but this one has a bit more of a cooling off period as they're all, you know, back in the same place together. And then we see Luther and we get that whole conversation and everything and we see Ethan looking on from afar at his wife and, you know, she notices that he's watching and then he gets a call about another mission and he sort of just disappears in the fog. And it's one of those things where I felt like, you know, of course in three, we have that moment where they go back to the IMF and she meets everyone and then they leave for their honeymoon and that's it. But I felt like this was a bit of a longer scene to sort of, give us that break after all of this action that has been going on. But I do want to talk about favorite moments here real quick before we get to our final thoughts. Yeah. Do you have, do you have a favorite moment in mind? Because they're all like flying through my head. (laughs) Yeah. The the thing is with this one, there are a lot of really great moments, but I think one of the ones that stands out to me is in Mumbai when we really get to see more of Jane using her skills as a spy, you know, her goal is to get the disarming code or, you know, the neutralizing code from Anil Kapoor's character, which is, I believe it's pronounced Bridge Nath. I'm not sure on that. I know he said it and (laughs) I was like, wow, I'm going to forget how to pronounce that in like 10 (laughs) seconds because I am really bad with pronouncing names in general. Yeah. And you know, just her interacting with him throughout that entire scene, it was kind of like the Italy scene that we get with Maggie Q and everything like that. And I was like, you know, I really like these kind of scenes where it's not totally focused on the action aspect, but then we at the same time have Jeremy Renner (laughs) as Brant going through and doing the jump and everything like that. So it kind of splits up the action and the just general spy work, I guess you could call it. So I really like that whole sequence there. And, you know, the BMW that they drive up in is fantastic to look at as yeah. well. <laughs> and they don't have <laughs> to know, blow but... this one up. <laughs> yeah, that was really nice. The I, I, you're, abso- you're absolutely right. I think the, the, see, the scenes when the series like truly, truly shines, I mean, obviously they're so well known for the large, big action spectacles. But I think when we get to see those fantastic, fluid, like espionage scenes where everyone in the team has their individual jobs, but, you know, each person's job relies on um, 
you know, someone else accomplishing another part of the mission. And that scene in, in particular, um, I agree definitely is reminiscent of the, um, the Vatican sequence, which is so good in the third one. Um, and it made me think of actually my favorite sequence in the, uh, in the entire movie, um, that I didn't think of before when I was flubbing all my words, uh, is the Kremlin. The Kremlin's scene, I think, is 100%, um, I think, one of the best scenes in the series. Uh, still, like, even me without saying what, um, you know, anything about the future movies, it's still one that I hold very high. Um, I think uh, Ethan and Benji are fantastic. Uh, like, I, I love that he, that's when we start to get this little bit of he just really wants to wear a mask and he's just, he's kind of like, as they're walking up to the Kremlin, he's saying to Ethan, you know, I'm just so excited to be part of the team, you know, just, hey man, like, this is great, this is cool. And Ethan's just like, shut up, Benji, like, we're focused, we're about to walk into the Kremlin and, and steal nuclear codes. Um, and then we get some really cool, fun tech with the, with the screen. Um, and then also the score really, really shines in that scene. I love the score in this movie. Um, and that scene in particular, um, you have that classic, like, so, you know, Soviet union, uh, you know, Russian themes go, uh, um, that you hear in, you know, any cold war spy movie really, um, mixed with, um, great mission impossible just spy music um and that that's yeah that whole that whole sequence is is really really great and that's that's probably my favorite yeah that's definitely one worth mentioning and it's hilarious when benji's face ends up on the entire screen because he accidentally <laughs> steps in front of the projector and yeah. it's just like ethan oh, just grabs wow. him pulls him out of the way just in time before the guy turns around. Yeah, and that was just a great moment where I was yeah. definitely laughing. And at the same time, you know how serious this situation is. So I think they just really blend that all together really well. And, you know, yeah, like you said, there are so many scenes that could end up being people's favorites in this. I'm sure a lot of people will put, you know, Ethan climbing up the building and having the glove malfunction mm-hmm. and he sort of just throws it off and then we see it attached yeah. to the building again like a few oh, seconds yeah. later when he jumps out uh the building and he's running all the way down and then he stops and you have Jer- jeremy renner just like your rope's a little short and he's just like no shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah right? it's it, it really is a great blend of humor it's like however they figured out however they figured out what tone they wanted to go with it really worked out so well and i'm so glad that they really stuck with it for the the series going forward because um a lot of people um that are fans of this series consider that it's like if they if they're ever talking to someone and someone's like oh i don't really know i've kind of seen some of the mission impossible movies but you know they're not really my favorites like anyone will say have you seen ghost protocol? And if they haven't, it's like start with ghost protocol and then keep going because it's, um, it it really is one that takes this series to the next level in such a fantastic, cool, serious, but fun way. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, are there any final thoughts on this? You know, I think overall for me, I really enjoyed this one. I believe when I was done watching it, I gave it a four out of five on Letterboxd and everything like that. So I'm definitely looking forward to watching Rogue Nation and Fallout. Hopefully I can catch Fallout before it is out of theaters because I know that is going to be happening soon. (laughs) Yeah, I think I... I mean, I don't obviously work for the theater, so I don't know. But I think you probably have like another two weeks at least um, because it's still it's still making bank. I think I saw um, it broke 700 million um, the other day. So and and on a slow weekend, it still pulled in another 36 million. So it hasn't shown any signs of of really slowing down. Um, And I think it's might have made the most money for the series so far i'm not sure i could have that wrong um but uh but yeah it's i mean as as far as my uh final thoughts i, I kind of feel like i've i'm a broken record um in just that uh, this is a really a really great step uh in the series it's definitely one of my uh personal favorites uh the it, it definitely is a it's more about the team and it's just spies on a mission and they have to accomplish the mission. Uh, we don't really get a lot of background about the bad guy. He's not really much of a villain. Uh, I think there's certainly even probably the villains in Thor, the dark world have a bit more depth than, uh, than this guy. Um, but, uh, but he, he, he works and he functions well in the role that he needs to. And also, I mean, when you're following up Philip Seymour Hoffman, that's just not fair. Um, but uh, uh, but I think I think even with the villain maybe being the the weakest part of the movie, it still doesn't bring the movie down at all because the the movie knows what it is, it knows what it wants to do, and I think it definitely accomplishes those things. Speaking of, Ethan actually says "mission accomplished" uh, in the movie when he finishes, and I remember in the theater like him saying that and laughing, but being like, "Oh my god, I can't believe they went that cheesy!" <laughs> but then they make, but then they make it even better, and that line pays off because he has that little scene with Luther where Luther's just making fun of him for saying it, and. We barely got any Luther in this movie, but even in that tiny little scene, we still get that fantastic relationship between the two of them. Um, so I'm glad that he does come back. Um, and then the uh, the tease at the end with the next mission, um, uh, they mentioned the syndicate. Right. Uh, that I was very, very excited about that in the theater, um, having known a bit about the TV show, because that's kind of the overarching villain organization of the TV show. And so when they brought in the syndicate, that was a really, really cool moment. And um, we learn a bit more about them going forward. So I'm excited to uh, for you to see those and dive into that. Yeah. And if anyone here hears that, that is my dog Desmond and he's barking at thunder because he's a, he's, you know, big and tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you brought up the villain because I think it's, more so important that the missile is stopped than necessarily who is launching it but then we see you know this other guy who is going after ethan the entire movie and then at the very end there after ethan just barely gets it to abort the guy's Mm -hmm. like oh so we were on the same side this entire time (laughs) yeah yeah i forgot i forgot about the the detective that um 
kind of filters throughout the whole thing. Uh, yeah, he he was a nice little addition, and that's a, a, a fun little pinpoint in the end of that story at the end. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Tim, thank you so much for continuing to come on to talk about these movies. We have two more left. So It's just so difficult. <laughs> I, I really can't stand these movies at all. It's <laughs> such a horrible discussion we've been having for four straight episodes, practically. Yeah. <laughs> I have broken them up a little here and there. So, you know, we've done two. I've had a different episode, yeah. two more. And then, you know, yeah. I might throw in some Harry Potter in between the last two because that'll Always give me some choice. more time to see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can't go wrong with Harry Potter. Very, very true. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks again, Tim. And to our listeners, as always, thank you all for listening. And we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.